Hello, this is Talking Dogs and I'm Graham Hall. I've spent close to 15 years now training dogs and training owners in how to train their dogs, which has earned me the name The Dog Father. Now, you might have spotted me on television's Dogs Behaving Very Badly. This podcast, Talking Dogs, is the place where I can catch up with people from the show to see how they're getting on, and you can send me your questions too. Now, no problem is too big or too small, and I can promise you someone else out there is having exactly the same trouble. We're all in this together. Stick around, because I'll be catching up with an owner I worked with recently on the TV show. Uh, Amory was... Well, let's just say she was losing her rag when it came to trying to clean the house. Now, her terrier Buster wasn't a fan of all the movements and noises that vacuuming and dusting produce. First, though, a dog who seemingly also has a bit of an issue with specific movements and noises. Richard and Lorraine have been in touch about their Lakeland Cross Terrier, Jeff, who for the most part is very happy to jump in the back of their old truck and go out for a ride. However, they said that one day Jeff started barking and howling and then after a short time they'd figured out that the trigger seemed to be when they go through a puddle and the noise of the water in the wheel arch sets him off. We've tried a few different techniques to combat the issue. A stern no and trying to reassure him, they say, but it seems to be getting worse. Or it's because we've had quite a lot of rain recently. Yeah, that would do, wouldn't it? Um, It feels like it might be something similar to dogs that don't like fireworks. So we're wondering if there's ever going to be anything that we can do to combat the behaviour. Richard and Lorraine also sent me through a couple of little video clips, um, which is great, but they don't work terribly well on a podcast. But I can see that this is a, so it's a, it's an SUV, I think. So we're, we're in the vehicle with the dog. So we could use our voice to send out signals, a bit different to a dog being in the back, for example, of a uh, maybe a pickup truck kind of truck, you know, and inside one of those, those boxes that you see. But also, interestingly, I see you've got Jack Russell as well, um, who is just sat there going, oh, for goodness sake, <sighs> just, just completely unaffected by it. And that's often the way that you'll have one dog experiencing some kind of fear or anxiety and the other dog just doesn't get it and actually having a second dog doesn't really help oh so by the way if you've got a problem like that and you're thinking of getting a second dog my experience is often it it doesn't really help um so do your best to fix the first dog and then if you really want a second one do also i noticed in one of the videos that that there is a a puddle that you go through and he doesn't react jeff right and nobody at that point says, oh, good boy. Right? So when you've got this kind of problem, if he's scared, then I think shouting at him isn't going to help. Even if it's a sort of stern, no, it's going to be very calm. You could do a little bit of like, eh, Jeff, no, you know, as in, no, not what we want. But anything more than that, anything a bit more, you know, oi, no, pack it in. You're just fueling the fire. All right, everybody's getting anxious in this car and it's not going to help. So I'd be focusing on the positive as much as I can with this. Now, as is often the case with these, when dogs are good, we, we sometimes forget to, to praise them in that moment. So we end up reassuring them by using sort of human uh, words. So we'll be going, come on, be a good boy. It's fine. Go on, calm down now, calm down. If he's anxious at that moment, all that lovely sound just serves to reinforce the wrong moment. You're actually rewarding the wrong moment. So when you're saying, come on, be a good boy, he's hearing good boy when he's perhaps barking in the car. So you got your timing wrong. 
So you want to save the good boy and that, oh, good lad, whatever you, you know, you say for the moments when he didn't react. Okay, let's put all these jigsaw pieces together. We've got a dog in a car who occasionally, when there's a puddle, doesn't react, right? So if you go out when there are puddles around, then you could aim for one or two puddles, dare I say. Careful with your driving, obviously. And if you can just clip the edge of it so you create a mini version of the puddle splash sound in the back of your truck... You can see where I'm going with this, can't you? If he doesn't react to that, oh, good boy, that's fine. A couple more of those, and then head on back home. You can build up this, oh, we hit a bit of a puddle. Daddy said goodbye because I did nothing. Great. And he starts to be reassured genuinely then that actually calming down is what people want. But we're not overloading him with big puddles. Now, I know sometimes it rains heavily, you have no choice. But you actually could create a mini version of that problem if you're crafty about how you drive through the edge of puddles. So with any kind of sort of fear-based thing, it's always more clever, really, to start with a mini version of the problem and build it up. And it's the same with fireworks. I mean, you're not in control of the fireworks going off, but you could have a recording of fireworks sounds that you've downloaded and you could play it to your dog. Now, here's the thing. If you play it full volume in the house, then yeah, you're not going to help because the dog's going to be reacting. But if you create a mini version of it, you turn the volume right down and get them used to it, and associate the not reacting with something that feels good, which, in the case of the car, going back to the puddle thing, really praises all you've got, then you're making a positive association with that sort of scary stimulus, yeah, to use the psychology term. So, so create a mini version of your problem, link not reacting to it to a positive reward, and build it up very slowly. Now, whether you're talking about the sound of puddles in a car or fireworks, the principle of that's the same. Now, I'm not sure that any of us particularly love cleaning, but I recently met a dog who really, really hated it. Amory, your terrier buster, was, he was making an already fairly dull everyday task, an absolute nightmare for you. Uh, I mean, it's lovely to have you here. Tell me what used to happen when you came to do your regular cleaning. Oh, it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, when I got the moment I got the Hoover out, he was on one. He used to attack it, even if it wasn't switched on. The moment I got it out, he was attacking it physically. He'd actually pull it out in the air, and he's, he's not a very big dog. But, oh, my God, in the barking and the aggression with it, he hated it. I mean, really hated it. I couldn't do anything without him attacking it. Yeah, and he we should explain that. He's a, he's a Patterdale cross Jack Russell, isn't he? He is, yes, yeah. So... When he goes for it, he can really go for it. He he really really goes for it. So he was he was biting the end of your your Hoover and 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 barking and it was it was just mayhem, wasn't it? And you showed me one of the old you know um, attachments from the Hoover that he'd absolutely mullered, didn't he? Oh yeah, I went through six attachments until you came because he just he was just. The moment I got it out, because they're quite firm. These are like the real firm ones. And it just put its teeth through it. He would demolish it within two weeks. I just couldn't get it off him. Um, it sounds like somebody else in the background is trying to be a bit chatty. That's that's your budgie, isn't it? That's my little budgie, Shirty Bertie. <laughs> I remember Shirty Bertie now, because he never shuts up. Um, it's funny how you get like your budgie, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> 
We put him upstairs while we were filming, didn't we? We had to because he would not leave it alone. He just chops in over us, wasn't he, all the time? <laughs> yeah, he was. Bless him. Well, it, it, it's a funny old thing. We've got a budgie, you know, who's a fan of dogs behaving badly on the telly and we get pictures on social media of the, the budgie who's quite naughty um, watching the telly. Um, I'm okay with dogs. I'm, I'm not brilliant with Budgies, if I'm honest. But you never know. Watch this space. Maybe, maybe it'll be Budgies behaving very badly before you know it. Well, yeah, then you'll be round again then. <laughs> yeah. Once I've trained myself how to train Budgies, I'll come back to your house. Yeah, that would be great because he's he don't like me. He's vicious towards me. So, yeah, when he was going for it, it was like mayhem. So you've got the sound of the, the hoover going off. You've got him barking and, and, and trying to bite the, the vacuum. And, and on top of that, we had you shouting, no, off, leave it. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. You had to see it to believe how bad it actually was. My stress levels was just astronomical. I can understand. I mean, it is stressful because and it, and it came across really. It's like there's 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 a lady who's, um, well, I think I used the expression lost her rag, which is kind of ironic with cleaning, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the more he went off, the more you went off. And I remember saying, well, he's out of control. <clears throat> and I think um, maybe you are a bit. <laughs> I, I did. It did get to me. I mean, I'd start off trying to be really good and telling him, no, get off Buster. And in the end, I'm like, Buster, get off of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you really were. It just It did escalate and I couldn't. I hated cleaning in the end. Hated it with a passion because of the dog. Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of it, and I've, and it's not because of the dog. And in the end, you were you were sticking him in his crate, weren't you? Locking him up. Yes, which I I really hated doing, but I had to because something was going to give, and it you know I just had to do it, and I hated doing it. It's easy for me to walk in, you see, dispassionately and look at the situation and go, aha, I see what's happening here, you know. But I always sort of split things down in my mind from like the dog's point of view and your point of view and what's actually happening and what effect does that have, really. So let's go through those things. So from his point of view, you see, you and I know what Hoover does, really, we understand it. But from a doggy point of view... Well, it's this weird-looking machine that just spends all of its time growling. As soon as you get it out, it starts growling. It moves erratically, backwards and forwards. Um, it appears to be attacking mum, and it's got a great big long tail that, in your case, plugs into the wall. So, you know, what's not to hate, really, particularly for a terrier? It's like, it's an animal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it. There's only one way he can stop it in his head, it's use his teeth. From... Your point of view, what I've seen you doing, was an awful lot of shouting. Understandable, I'm not knocking you, because I could see that you'd completely lost your cool. But that's not helping, because it's fueling the fire, of course. And then the interesting thing was the crate, because there are times when I say to people, right, let's do a bit of a time out here. You know, dog's behaving in a, an unwanted way. Let's, let's put him out, give him time to calm down. Well, I could see with Buster that wasn't working, because while he was in the crate, he could see the hoover still. And now he had that added frustration of like, oh, I can't get to it. So he was just like a, a champagne cork about to go pop all the time. So none of that was, was helping you, was it? In the end, really, it was relatively simple. My bet was, you see, if you split it down from his point of view, he's seeing something move erratically and he's hearing it growl. So was he was he scared? I think there's an element of that. With some dogs, they don't look 
as though they're going to run away and cower, they come out fighting, you see. Was he excited? Yeah, absolutely. Through the roof excited, you know. Did he see the Hoovers just pray to be attacked? Well, yeah, maybe that as well. But either way, there's sometimes when you look at a situation, you go, I've done my best to understand the root cause. But the bottom line is this isn't allowed, you know. He's, it's no good. So we've got to get the message across to him without revving him up. Maybe you could take people through what it was that we did to solve the problem. Well, what we did, we started off the Hoover and all I had to say, very, very plain and simple, back off. And to my total and utter amazement, it worked. I gave you that command because I just wanted something that you could say repeatedly and consistently without getting overexcited. And it, the word almost doesn't matter, to be honest with you. I can, I can tell you that now, Anne-Marie. But, but it was just, let's be consistent. Let's say the same thing every time and deliver it in a calm but authoritative way. So the important thing with any command is, is that the dog is programmed to understand what that command means. Just shouting, back off, back off, back off. It's not going to work. It's just all part of the mayhem. And I think that's where you'd, you'd got to, actually, Anne-Marie, with all the stuff that you were doing before. You know, it was like, no, oi, no, pack it in, all that kind of thing. So what we did was we stayed calmer, but when he did react, we moved towards him. So we, we kind of physically made him back off, if you like. So nothing nasty and aggressive, but it was we became a bit imposing, moved towards him. He then backed off and got good boy for it. So he understood that if he heard this sound, these magic words, back off, which of course they weren't magic to start with, all he had to do was move backwards, funnily enough, and then he could turn us back into nice man and nice lady. So back off, we kind of programmed him to understand what it means. Yeah, that's right. We just sort of, you know, put my, what I, I sort of put my foot between the hoover now when he wants to, thinks he's going to have a go, put my foot there, back off, and then he does. He sort of walks away and I'm going, good boy, good boy, there we go, you know. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what, you sound apart. I backed off my computer there. <laughs> but it wouldn't have worked if we'd have started the motor up and just done what you and I would normally call hoovering, yeah? Too much. So the key thing was to create a mini version of the problem. So when you look at it and you split it out, you think, right, so this thing moves and this thing makes a sound. So let's take the sound out. That's easy because we're in control of whether or not we switch it on and off, aren't we? Let's bring it out and just make it stationary. What's he do? Nothing. Okay. Well, if he's doing nothing in the presence of a hoover, we could well go, oh, good boy, that's nice. Yeah. He's like, okay. I suppose so. You know, I mean, at that point, he's not exactly happy, is he? You know, he's like, mm, all right. And then I moved it backwards and forwards a bit, but without the motor on. We still got away with it. And then as soon as the motor came on, he did have a little bit of a pop, didn't he? He did, yeah. So that's when you needed to deploy your new command, you know, back off. So it was really about taking the excitement out of the situation, understanding what he was doing, and then just breaking it down, making it a bit easier for him, you know? Easy for him, easy for you, really. It, it, it certainly was, and it, it, that command has worked on so many other of his issues... So he don't attack the shed door no more. He don't attack anything in the garden. Nothing. I could just say, back off. And it works on everything. Oh, well, that's good. Now, sometimes things do, we call it generalising in dog training. So th things transfer across to other situations because he's going to, uh, right, okay, she's deployed the special words. Back off. Ah, so he's not attacking his shed door. What else, is it, what else does it work on then? It works on the mower, 
because I, I couldn't even get the mower out. He would literally drag it, the whole mower, which is a heavy electric mower, around the garden. Ah, interesting. So I'd just say, back off, and he does. And my my son could get his bike out the shed. First time ever. Ah, brilliant. He still tries it on. I mean, he will, you know, obviously, because that's Buster. Well, he's a patter jack, isn't he? He's a patter jack. <laughs> you don't get a terrier unless you want a dog with character, let's be honest. No. So he will keep trying it on, but the moment I say back off, I might have to say it twice, but it's once he's sort of actually, oops, sorry, mum, he'll go and grab a ball or grab his, you know, a chew or whatever and walks off while I'm hoovering. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that's interesting as well. So he's going off, he himself is going to choose a ball or a chew or something different, is he? He just goes and picks a toy, any toy, it could be anything, any of his toys, and he'll just go and sit on the settee while I'm hoovering around him. Silly question, but what do you do when he does that? Oh, praise him. Yeah. It's like, oh, well done, good boy, Buzz, good boy. And then once I've finished all my hoovering, then I go and throw the ball or, you know, whatever he's playing with. Ah, so what's happened there is, now that's not something we did when I was there particularly, but all of that works, and I'll tell you why, because he's gone, all right, so if I go for the Hoover stroke, you know, son's bike stroke, shed door stroke, lawnmower by the sound of it, right, I'm going to incur the wrath of mum. Well, I say wrath, you're not exactly angry, but you're very clear now, aren't you? Back off, and he's like, oh, I don't like that. But if I, and he's worked this out for himself, if I get a toy or a chew and do that instead... Right, a it's self rewarding. I quite like playing with me toy, chewing on a chew, yeah. And mum's smiling at me, I'm sure, as well as saying, "Oh, good boy." Well, I'll do that instead then, yeah. So it's a good example of how a lot of dog training works, you know. Um, which is like, if I do that, there's a appropriate consequence, you know. If I do this though instead, oh, I'm a good boy. I'll do that then. I often think with a lot of terriers, and I've seen this in Patterdales before, that they they come across as appearing to be quite aggressive, but actually they they really respond to a bit of praise, a bit of affection. Actually, he, he does, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, the only problem I've got with him now, he don't like um, French bulldogs. Oh, doesn't he? He hates them. He'll love every single other dog out there the moment he sees a French bulldog. <gasps> ah, that's interesting. Have you have you tried to back off command with that? Yes, I have. We've stood still, back off, but he's so wild with them. But the moment they go past, he's like, "Oh, okay, we're going now." Yeah, it could be that he's he's had an experience with a French bulldog, or you know, something well, happened. He did on the, yeah, he did on the beach um, when he was a puppy. Two came up to him, and he weren't too impressed about it. But I thought he would have forgot about them. No, clearly not. Well, the thing about French Bulldogs is they're very distinctive, aren't they? You can see those big ears coming a mile off. There's nothing looks like a Frenchie. Here's what I would do with that then. If you you spot somebody with a Frenchie, right, a mile off, it's like incoming, one o'clock. The thing to do is give yourself a bit of distance and try that back off command, but like twice the distance or something. You see what I mean? Because once it's... Once it's all got a bit too heated and too excited, it clearly won't work. But if you can practice it from a distance and he backs off and you stay calm and you remember to praise him, the same principle, actually, as the Hoover may well apply. Well, I'll give that a go. Yeah. As I say, I have said back off, but whether it's the noise because they sort of snort a bit. True. 
That's interesting. I, I don't know. I'm just sort of guessing, but he just hates them. It's an interesting point you make because Frenchies do, you know, they do that, don't they? Yeah. Frenchie sandwich, I think it's quite cute, really, but um, clearly he doesn't. So with the Hoover, it was about movement and the appearance, but also the sound, so it's probably those two things. Unfortunately, you can't just press the off button on a Frenchie, but you can distance yourself. Interesting. He is interesting. <laughs> What advice would you give other dog owners in a similar situation? Be calm with your dog and clear signals and lots of praise. I couldn't have said it better myself. Do you want a job? <laughs> no, you're all right, thanks. I'll speak to me <laughs> cooking. <laughs> Lovely. Well, listen, take care of yourself, Anne-Marie. He's gone quiet in the background now as Bertie the Budgie. Um, maybe, we've, maybe we've bored him, so you'll have to say goodbye from me. I <laughs> will do, Graham. Yes, no problem. A real pleasure to have you with me today. Now, I'll be back next week, so make sure you've subscribed to the podcast to be the first to know about it. Perhaps you've got a specific problem you need my help with. Send me a voice note telling me all about it to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com. Thanks again to Anne-Marie. You can have a look at those training tips that we were talking about on Anne-Marie and Buster's episode of Dogs Behaving Very Badly. Catch up on My5 or watch new episodes on Channel 5 every Tuesday. Until next time, look after yourself, your loved ones, and of course, your dogs. Bye for now.